What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. We are from the pewterplank.com, the fan-sided page dedicated to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Pewter Plank. I am at Yarko underscore Bucks. David is at DH82 underscore Bucks. Today we are going to be discussing all of the roster moves that the Buccaneers made on Wednesday, as well as getting into the Jason Light conversation that we've kind of pushed off until David and I were both on the show together. So, David, why don't we go ahead and dive into what the Buccaneers did on Wednesday as far as the roster is concerned. They announced that the team was placing Justin Evans, Adarius Glanton, Vernon Hargraves, O.J. Howard, and J.R. Sweezy all on season-ending injured reserve. Meanwhile, they, uh, they signed offensive lineman Adam Geddes, corner David Rivers, and then they promoted linebacker Nigel Harris, safety Isaiah Johnson, and defensive lineman Channing Ward from the practice squad to the active roster to fill those roster spots. So, David, my first question to you is, why did we wait so long to put Vernon Hargraves on the injured reserve? <laughs> and he's missed what like six games now with a hamstring injury yeah i've actually been kind of wondering the same thing i i've been talking and i've mentioned i don't think we're going to see vernon hargraves actually i might have mentioned in a couple episodes that i don't you know i didn't expect to see vernon hargraves back on the field at all in 2017 which was really disappointing because he actually had started to show some improvement and and uh playing more aggressive and moving inside really seemed to take advantage of his skill set a lot skill set a lot better than than what we saw earlier in the season. So I don't know. I mean maybe maybe you know Jason and, and Dirk, you know however however much influence he has on the decisions were sitting there and saying, "You know what? We got all these other guys going, might as well just throw him on there too." Um it almost gets to the point where you know you wonder if it's if it's even worth it, you know, the, the old saying is the juice worth the squeeze. Bringing Vernon back in this situation with these amount of players out I mean, what are you really throwing him out there for? Is there really going to be any type of gain, uh, you know, for your team, for the player, just overall? So putting him on injured reserve, yeah, while it did take a while, kind of makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, uh, what else would we expect from a season like the 2017 season, you know? Yeah, that's that's fair. And uh, speaking of juice being worth the squeeze, I, I, I'm i definitely the most disappointed that uh, – we saw OJ Howard as well as Justin Evans on this list. I, I understand it. Yeah. As you and I were discussing pre-show, this may be more precautionary than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, why risking, why risk more severe injury to two extremely promising rookies? OJ Howard had a heck of a season, you know, just shy of 500 yards receiving uh, six touchdowns. And he, uh, he averaged 16.6 yards per reception. Like mm-hmm. that's insane. It's it's the eighth highest in the NFL uh, among players that have at least 25 catches, and it's the highest of any tight end. So you know, you saw we we we've now seen glimpses of what we can expect out of OJ Howard moving forward, and, and he's basically been the player that we expected we were going to get when he was drafted. What we didn't expect is for Justin Evans to play to the level that he has tied for the team lead in interceptions. Yeah. He, he seems to have absolutely no fear 
no matter who he's lining up against or who he's having to go against to to defend a pass and his growth and his maturity this quickly into his rookie season has been extremely impressive. Yeah, definitely disappointing to see both those guys go out. I mean, you you, just, you said it pretty much perfectly. And and it, it sucks even more from my standpoint with Justin Evans just because I finally got to see him lay the hammer down on someone on Monday night, you know, and then in that same game, he ends up going out and, and now he's on for the season. So, but again, uh, you know, I lean more towards precautionary injury reserve type situation. Two games left. Um, obviously, there's no playoff chances, you know, it's not a tanking situation by any means, but it's, again, it's, is the juice worth the squeeze? And, you know, at this point in time, ankle injuries are not injuries you want to mess around with. So why throw two of your most promising young pieces out there, even for one last game uh, against, against the saints in two weeks for, for this, you know, it's just, it's just not worth it. And, you know, like you said, with those moves of, of guys getting moved from the practice squad to the active roster, Isaiah Johnson, Channing Ward, you know, Nigel Harris, Nigel Harris, uh, those are guys that, you know, maybe they can be some 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 building blocks for the future. Maybe they can be at least some camp uh, competition guys next season and just younger talent that now the team gets to kind of evaluate ahead of the offseason evaluation process and get some tape on them and, and get some experience in them in, in live action. So uh, really it's just it, – it's the smart decision to make. I don't – you know, I don't believe we're going to hear about any severely debilitating ankle injuries or anything from either of these guys. Uh, yeah, I think it boils down to just two games left in a lost year. There's no sense of trotting back out there at this point. Yeah, another another thing to take note of was that uh, during Wednesday's practice, both Robert Ayers and Deshaun Jackson did not participate. Uh, Deshaun, of course, has the ankle issue. Uh, Robert Ayers has a shoulder issue. And we've seen Deshaun pop up on these injury reports and not participate on Wednesdays before. This could be something as simple as veterans day off, let him just kind of rest mm-hmm. up. You know, he, he missed the the rest of the game on Monday night against the Falcons, you know, give him a little bit of extra time to, to rest that ankle and, and get ready to play the Panthers on Sunday. However, Gerald McCoy and Levante David were both limited participants. They of course both missed the Monday night game. And I believe it was Greg Allman. I saw on Twitter say that he didn't see McCoy or David involved in any kind of contact drills. So, you know, they are limited. They may still not play. You know, we don't know. Um, yeah, there's a chance I would say that the Bucks maybe let them let them try a little bit of contact on on Thursday or Friday and see how they feel and mm-hmm. make the decision from there. Uh, anything else to note, David, as far as what's been going on with the roster and, and on Wednesday's practice before we move on? No, it's just been, uh, just what a year, you know, just one a whirlwind <laughs> season and it's going out just as exciting. Well, I don't want to say exciting, but just as eventful as it came in. Uh, it's yeah. Th- this team is going to be just one uh one breaking news story after another uh for for the rest of the, of the year. It seems. Hopefully, we well, there- can keep the guys that are left off the injured reserve. Though let's 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 do that over the next two weeks. Oh, for sure, for sure. But you know, there is one way to revive this season. What's that? It's by joining the over five hundred thousand people that have already downloaded Draft this season. David, did you know that you get to play in a real live snake draft and you're done in under five minutes and it lasts for just one week? You can join 
you can join right now for week 16. So that's right. If you were eliminated from your fantasy playoffs like this guy and the like other guy, guy that you're listening to, yeah, both both these guys, you can go and you can continue to play fantasy football through the draft app. And the best part is you get to play for cold, hard cash and your chances of winning are 80% better than on those salary cap daily fantasy sites. Don't mess with those. Go into your app store, download the draft app, go this route. Snake draft, a lot of fun. Five minutes and you're done. All now, new I have players. a question, though. Yeah, what's up? Can, can old guys play this, or is this just like a youth movement type thing? No, old guys can play it too. Us old guys, not like the youth movement that, that we heard about somewhere else. But yeah, it's, it's, for, it's for all ages, 1 to 99. I'll bet, you, I'll bet you if I downloaded this draft app, on my son's iPod, he would be running around telling all of his third grade friends, look at the players that I drafted and I didn't take any Buccaneers because just don't do that. (laughs) All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code L-O-N-F-L. That's right. You play in a real money league for free just by using the promo code L-O-N-F-L. And it gets even better. Draft is so confident that you're going to love what they're doing that they are even offering Locked On Bucks listeners a money-back guarantee up to $100. So, David, that means that you can deposit $100 into my son's account on his iPod. And if my son doesn't like what's going on, Draft is going to refund you your money because I'm not. I've been wanting to do that, so (laughs) I'm not going to put a hundred dollars in my in my third graders' iPod, but you can, and money back guaranteed. So, just search Draft in your app store, the 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 iTunes app store, the the Google Play store. You go, you search Draft, or you go to Draft.com, and you come play for free right now. With the promo code L-O-N-F-L. Coming up next, David and I are going to dive into the Jason Light discussion. You are listening to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison, and you can find everything that we do right over at thepewterplank.com. And David, right now we are going to discuss Jason Light coming back for the 2018 season. It was on Monday that Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay times had come out and said that a franchise option for Jason light had been picked up over the summer unbeknownst to um, any human being besides Jason light. And apparently the Glazers um, to have this, to have this news come out before a Monday night football game in week 15 of the NFL season that that the GM was going to be coming back. So all this speculation all year of is Jason Light tied to Dirk Cutter? Is Jason Light going to come back? Where's his contract extension? Da, 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 da. He's got one more year. So I want to get your initial thoughts on on Jason Light's contract extension here or his 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 one year option being picked up before I ask you how that relates to the coaching situation. I mean, I was happy about it. You know, I first, I first saw it from the Peter report guys and I clicked on 
on their link and and they credited uh Tampa Bay Times. So I went over there and you know read all that stuff. I, I mean I was pleased with it. Um kind of like you just alluded to, I was a little curious as to the timing of of the report being released and and all that. But I mean that to me, as far as I can discern, that's probably the closest you're gonna get to a vote of confidence from the Glazers uh you know ever. So I don't I don't necessarily believe it means he's guaranteed to come back, but I mean I think that it, it at at least on the surface they're leaning towards bringing him back and and honestly why not? You know, the the roster has talent. I mean everybody has been saying all year that talent's not an issue and even even Dirk Cutter in the beginning of the season, you know, what, what was his quote that they're building a badass football team? Um I mean if, if that doesn't speak uh kindly onto your general manager then what else does, you know? So even the coach there is saying that the the team was looking looking really good and really solid. And, you know, so so at the end of the day, I mean, I, that's why I don't put a whole lot of blame on Jason Light. And, you know, I looked into it just a little bit. It, it's hard to say what, what was happening with Lovey Smith and, and Jason, you know, before Lovey was fired and ended up at uh, Illinois. But <sighs> from, <laughs> but what we do know is, bottom line, is Lovey Smith has final personnel decisions for the roster, right? So I would think that at least in the draft room 2015, you know, he had at least a, a heavy amount of influence. If he's got final decision-making power on the roster, then I believe in the draft room he's going to have the biggest voice in the room as well. I just I don't see a way where that doesn't work out that way. So really for me, and, and there, there, I have no, I have nothing to confirm that that's actually how it went, but that's just kind of how I look at it. And so for me, I look at Jason Light, and I really look at 2016, 2017, and out of his 13 draft picks uh, since since Lovey Smith went away, he's got nine regular contributors or starters. The the misses he's had so far: Jeremy McNichols, Roberto Aguirre, uh, Danny Vitali, and and Stevie Tuikolovatu. You know, and Stevie's on IR, so Stevie really never even had a shot. Jeremy McNichols, huh, got it. Um, Roberto Aguayo, got it. Danny Vitale, I mean, really, I think Danny Vitale was more a, a casualty of what the Buccaneers liked at their tight end position versus what Danny Vitale really brought to the table. In fact, I believe like if Alan Cross is never a Buccaneer, I think Danny Vitale is probably still here. You know, but meanwhile, Danny is is in Cleveland, I believe. He's still sticking in the NFL. So, I mean, he may not have stuck around for the Bucs, but, you know, he's a guy who's at least shown that he can hang in the NFL for right now. Uh, Roberto, like, we beat that horse. Like we need to ship it off, send it to the glue factory, be done with it, and just just never bring it up again. But if you look at it, you know, nine out of thirteen in his first two years of of regular starters, contributing starters, or contributing players. I mean, you look at even Ryan Smith. Like Ryan Smith is out there playing, and we can't say that from the first week Ryan Smith stepped on the field uh, in that in that outside position against the Minnesota Vikings to what we saw this week. You can't tell me there's not improvement there. Now I'm not saying Ryan for a starting job next year telling me there's not improvement the kid has shown athleticism he's shown some nfl caliber talent he's a late round pick he's not supposed to be blowing it up in year two you know what i mean so so you have that and then you look at the injury report i mean look at the guys that we we just focused on being placed on injured reserve just evans oj howard vernon hargraves all three of those guys are jason Light picks i got vernon hargraves has not lived up to the number one cornerback billing you know first round draft pick billing and he may end up just being like one of the top 10 nickelbacks in the NFL. And I got it. You don't want to draft a nickelback in the first round. But there's something to be said about a defense having one of the best uh, you know, nickel corners in the game. And if Vernon can get to that point, 
then you know three four years down the road it's not going to sting so much that he was he was uh what the 11th overall pick right they traded out of nine to 11 i believe right um yeah so some talent you know what i mean jason has brought talent to the squad and then you look at his free agent signings deshaun jackson deshaun jackson is not a bust okay as an individual player maybe the way he was used is a bust Maybe the fact that his quarterback shoulder was was hamburger for three, four weeks there makes him makes the season a bust. I'll agree that Deshaun Jackson's season has been a bust. I think he would agree. But the player, when given the opportunity to make things happen, has shown up every single opportunity he's gotten. You know, uh, well, there's been a couple routes where we we kind of agree that maybe he didn't give full effort on. But outside of those, he's been pretty good. Chris Baker, yeah, you know, he he wasn't he hasn't been quite what we all kind of hoped he would be, but Honestly, like if, if the Buccaneers signed Chris Baker without signing Deshaun Jackson, how much hype is really surrounding the Baker signing? Um, I don't think near as much hype that actually happened. And then Hard Knocks just made it even worse. Um, you know, so honestly, if we look at Chris Baker signing in a vacuum, very good signing. Don't get me wrong. He still hasn't lived up to that alone, but I think he got hyped up a little bit more, just like the rest of the team did. JJ Wilcox, not on the team, didn't didn't play for the team. Uh, Jason Light turned J.J. Wilcox into T.J. Ward in a six-round pick. T.J. Ward hasn't panned out. Maybe that six-round pick pans out. Maybe that six-round pick gets combined with something else and turns into another Kendall Beckwith. If you tell me three years from now that Jason Light turned J.J. Wilcox into uh, a Kendall Beckwith, I mean, that's a win. Is that, is that not a win from a general manager standpoint? Uh, I, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's a win, right? Uh, Garrison Sanborn, long snapper. Uh, who you know, whatever. Cool, good job. Um, <laughs> Jr. Sweezy, look, I long love snappers here, are people too. Yes, and I said good job. I just <laughs> said good job. Like, yeah, there you go. Um, Jr. Sweezy, look, I didn't like the signing in the first place. Okay, um, and then when his when his back injury came out, I have the exact same back injury that he had or has, um, and got fixed. I don't have. NFL caliber surgeons, you know, so be that as it may, I wasn't an NFL caliber athlete when I got my injury either, but those don't just go away. And J.R. Sweezy, I don't think he's ever going to be the lineman that the Buccaneers thought he would be when they signed him. However, I don't know, like, I feel like if they didn't know about the injury, then they probably would have cut him and got all their money back because, hey, you didn't disclose this injury, but they're not doing that. So it's kind of weird to me. I don't know how the situation works. Maybe they just didn't think it was as serious as it turned out to be. But J.R. Sweezy has not been the lineman that everybody thought he was when he when he came over uh, from Seattle. Brent Grimes, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me Brent Grimes hasn't been a good sign for the Buccaneers, then you just don't like Jason Light, and we don't really have a conversation to have. Um, Robert Ayers, I, I got it. He hasn't lived up either to what everybody thought he might be. But you know, overall, when you look at the free agent signings, you know he's he's shooting about fifty percent. You know, but you don't build an NFL franchise off of free agent signings. You build it through the draft. You supplement through free agency. So going 50% in free agency, not good, but you can live with it when you're going nine for 13 on your draft picks. And that's depending on, you know, if CVT comes back next year from his injury and, you know, shows that all the mental development he's been putting on this season by learning, you know, watching film, hopefully I'm sure getting coached up. If he comes back just a better mental player, then he could end up being a guy who, you know, who knows if, if Silver is going to be around, who knows if Clint McDonald is still going to be around. He might be a guy who comes in there, steps in as a third defensive tackle uh, or a goal line situation kind of guy and provide that value that, you know, he might have provided this year had he not gotten hurt. So I, I'm, I'm on Jason Light's side, obviously. You know, um, I don't 
feel like my argument is biased. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, no. It, there's there's a difference between being biased and being somebody who looks at the whole picture. And I think you know, you and I, when it comes to Jason Light, have the ability to look at the whole picture because I cannot begin to tell you how so unbelievably sick I am of still seeing people, <clears throat> and it's the same people every time. Well, he drafted a kicker in the second round. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? It's over. It's done with. The horse is dead. Quit beating it. But it's all those same people <clears throat> that want John Gruden to come back. You want to go take a look at, at the some of the second round picks that happened under John Gruden? Do we need to go down that list? Because I would probably take Roberto Aguayo over at least half of them. So giving light his due is not being a homer. Looking at it objectively and looking at, yeah, he has some misses in the draft and he has some misses in free agency, but you also have to look at his undrafted free agency and the contributors on this team that came through that. Yeah, and, and I, I laid all that out once before. You know, Cam Brate, Adam Humphreys, you know, JV and Elliott, you know, undrafted free agents that are contributors on this team. So his his free agency record is not immaculate. His draft record is not immaculate, but show me a GM's who is. And I would say Jason Light is doing a pretty darn good job for himself and helping build a core, a young core, a young talented core for this team moving forward. Which brings me to my next question. David, Jason Light is getting one more year. Does that mean that we are almost certain to get one more year of Dirk Cutter? And if Cutter doesn't work, he and Light are gone together? Or are the Glazers going to give Jason Light another opportunity? to find another head coach or option C are the Glazers going to go out and hire whatever coach it is that they want and tell Jason, look, you have to figure out a way to work with this guy. You guys have to figure out a way to win games together or it's lights job on the line this time instead of dirt cutters. So, the short answer is I have no idea. Excellent. Yeah. Should we just so, close on that? Yeah, that, so that's going to wrap up uh, <laughs> this Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your day. No, so, you know, every time I hear someone say Dirt Cutter's gone, I, I hear all the reasons why Dirt Cutter's gone. You know, this, the scheme, the Buccaneers came in 2017 with, with like – like it reminds me of me playing NBA 2K, where I'm like, global settings, here's my strategy for every game, all season long, and I'm going to win the championship, which works when you're playing NBA 2K. It doesn't work when you're playing in the NFL. And that how frustrating that is. Um, I look at the play calling situations, the, the sweep plays, the screen plays, the you know, the the third and two 15-yard seam routes, and then the the third and or the fourth and two, you know, one yard uh hitch i don't even know what to call it um 
I look at, <clears throat> excuse me. I look at, you know, the, the, I keep, I keep thinking about this and I can't shake it. The, the hype surrounding the team was fueled just as much by dirt cutter as it was anybody else. Sure. And from a, a, a a self-scouting standpoint that really bothers me because this team did not turn out to be what everybody thought it would be, which is fine for us, which is fine for you and me, which is fine for hard knocks, which is fine for Schrager and good morning football, right? We're allowed to be wrong, but kind of like when Rex Ryan came out with the jets and was like, I guarantee a super bowl. He kept his job because at least they were going to the AFC championship game. At least they were going to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Dirt Carter were, came out and and what's that? I was gonna say they were they were showing the growth. They were right. they were trending in the right direction. Yeah, and and as soon as the team stopped showing that growth, stopped trending upwards, um, he lost his job because the bravado no longer fits the product. And I just look at it, and again, I don't know if he just got swept up in it all. I don't know if you know it was just really fun. So I really wanted to, you know, I don't know if it was for the cameras. I don't know what, but bottom line is, Dirt Cutter fed into the hype just as much as anything else uh, this offseason. And to come out with a roster, come out with a team that came out as flat as this one did from a head coach who, I mean, flat, he called it a badass football team, you know? Um, that that worries me. That bothers me. And then we talked about already we, with Trevor the quarterback production or the lack thereof and Dirk Cutter's history and, and the plateauing of his teams and his offense and and the fact that he's never had an offense that's really just dominated the NFL and, and been able to overcome defensive shortages, so on and so forth. So I, I look at all those things. I hear all the arguments. I'm like, yeah, of course, Dirk Cutter is gone. But then I hear, you know, well, Jameis Winston's shoulder was torn up. Um, you know, now I look at the last the last game or two and and they've gotten better with the short passing game. The pat, the play calling hasn't been as bad. I mean, this last week, I mean, I gave him credit on the on the on the post game, you know, episode. And I know a lot of people have been giving him credit. You know, he called a very good game against Atlanta. So now I almost wonder, okay, if he comes out against Carolina and New Orleans and calls a similar game and has similar results, even if they don't win. um, I can also get on the side of give him one more year. Mike Smith is gone. I I believe Mike Smith is gone one way or another, whether somebody forces Dirk to fire him or whether Mike does the honorable thing and resigns so that his friend doesn't have to have the burden of firing him, or whether or not Mike Smith takes one of those head coaching interviews that he didn't take last year and accepts one of them, you know. Um, I think Mike Smith has gone one way or the other, uh, no matter no matter what. Um, and I don't really even hold the defense accountable as much as I hold the offense accountable just because of how many injuries the defense has suffered throughout the year. And I know I, we've already covered that in, in, at the Pewter Plank you know, injuries are part of the game and, and next man up and all that. But let's call it what it is. I mean, if you look at the Vikings defense, if they lose, you know, Everson Griffin and and uh, Sandeo and 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 uh, and Waynes and all those guys, are they the same defense they are right now? No, of course they're not. So while, yes, it's the next man up and it's your job to get them ready, got it. There, there's still a little bit to be said about injuries. And this this defense has not been healthy all season um, in some way, shape or form. But I still think he's gone just for one of those other reasons. <clears throat> And so those are two things, right? There's a third thing. And here's what I hope is happening because the Glazers are not football people, right? Like none of the Glazers played football that I'm aware of. They didn't play big time college football. They weren't NFL players. These are business people. This is a business family, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Oh, 100% correct. So they have Jason Light, who is a professional pro football talent evaluator. They have Dirk Cutter, who is a professional NFL coach, offensive coordinator, NFL head coach, quarterback coach, all that stuff. So here's what I hope they did. What I hope they did is they picked up Jason Light's option over the summer. And then throughout the season, they're basically telling him, look, Jason, we're not extending you. 2018 is it. What are you going to do with this team? Because that's what the general manager's job really is at the end of the day. It's developing the roster and putting the coaches that are that are, that are need to be in place to make this thing successful. And kind of like you just said, if Jason Light rolls with Dirt Cutter for 2018, fine. But you do so at your own risk. You do so with your name attached to that head coach because that's what your job is as general manager. And I'm fine with that. If Dirk, if, if Jason Light is being given that that uh, that that latitude, and he chooses to stick with Dirk Cutter, then I, I'm 100% for it. And and next year when Dirk Cutter comes in for his first press conference of the of the off season and training camp and all that, I'll applaud him and, and hope that he does well, just like I did this last season. Um, and the only situation I see that possibly not happening is if John Gruden has told the Glazers, "I want to come back and I want to coach this football team." And that's the only situation where I might see the Glazers say, hey, you know what? We're pulling this. We're making this move, Jason. You can either stay and like it or you can leave with Dirk. Um, and that because that would be a business move. John Gruden coming back would be an ult, the ultimate business move as far as branding with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is concerned. Well, the the Glazers history on making these business moves for the franchise have not really panned out very well ever since Malcolm passed away right. because when when they got Gruden the first time that was a business move but it was also a football move mm-hmm. and since then it's been the Glazers that have promoted Raheem Morris right. and hired Greg Schiano and hired Lovey Smith yeah and, and so on and so forth yeah and that's kind of what I'm getting at because those of all, like none of those were business moves. You know what I mean? Like none of those were moves that were going to put butts in seats. Um, Raheem Morris, honestly, I think it was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction from the from the success Mike Tomlin was seeing. I think they were trying to copy Mike Tomlin being successful in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I think young, they fired John Gruden and didn't have a freaking clue what they were going to do next, and they got stuck. You may be very correct, um, but <laughs> because, I think they I mean, saw you know a young defensive back coach from the Buccaneers staff going out to Pittsburgh, running that defense, running that team, and developing something really great. And they saw another young, up and coming defensive backs coach in Tampa Bay, and didn't want to let him get away. But I think maybe that was started by what you just said, where they fired John Gruden and said, "Oh crap, now what?" Hey, well, look, Raheem Morris is kind of like Mike Tomlin. Let's keep him. Yeah, because he he went from defensive backs coach to head coach in a matter of like a week and a half. Yeah. And now he's the defensive backs coach for Atlanta. No, he's the receiving coach. Is he the receiving coach? He is the wide receivers coach slash passing game manager. Okay. But he's a position coach. Yeah. With a little bit of a bonus on the end or something. I don't know. Right. Um, But he's also gone from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive, which I don't know how that works, but you know what? Maybe that's just making Raheem Morris a more well-rounded coach and setting him up for being a head coach again in the future. I had nothing against Raheem Morris. He was just placed in a job that he was not qualified for, and in doing so, the, the team failed. Right. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. So that's that's kind of why I look at it the way I do. I just Hopefully the Glazer family, they've, they've learned that 
when they make football decisions, it doesn't go well. So let's let the football guys make the football decisions. But again, John Gruden coming back. Uh, I don't know if that's just too tempting for them to ignore. Unfortunately, it probably is. But we'll get into that on another day. Because coming up soon, if Black Monday rolls around and Dirk Cutter's neck ends up right there, smack dab in the middle of that chopping block, you and I are going to be having some very interesting coaching discussions, like, real fast. Yeah. Does Monday Night Football broadcast Week 17? It does not. Hmm. This will be the last week for Monday Night Football. See, that's where things get interesting. Why do you say that? Just because, uh, I don't know. Like, if it's going to be Gruden, I don't think it's going to take very long. And, yeah. I mean, I know the Bucks. I don't know if the Buggers have ever fired a head coach in season, but. They have not. You know, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, if John Gruden has, has conveyed to them that he wants to come back and coach the Bucks, and he's done working for ESPN as of at the end of week 16, I don't know. Like I'm not saying I'm not predicting my any stretch of the imagination is going to happen, but if there was ever a time where where the Glazers did make that move in season, it could be right there before week 17 to kind of give their uh, their their Buccaneers fan a little bit of a jolt, a little bit of a kick in the pants right before the end of the season. Because you know, I mean, if, if they make the move during during the playoffs, which is you know when a lot of those moves get made, it's going to catch headlines for about 48 hours. But if they do it right before week 17, you've got about two weeks of that being like the predominant story. Uh, I think that's too fast of a turnaround because you have to remember, they also have to satisfy the Rooney rule. Even if Gruden is their guy and there's already, you know, a quote unquote gentleman's agreement, you mm -hmm. have to satisfy the Rooney rule and they're not going to fire. They're not going to fire dirt cutter in season and hire John Gruden in season. It it just it won't happen. And no matter no matter if John Gruden is the coach of the Buccaneers or if he's the coach of the um, Cleveland Browns or the Cincinnati Bengals or the Indianapolis Colts, if John Gruden leaves the booth and goes back to being a head coach anywhere on planet Earth, it's going to be a headline for two weeks. It is going to stir up so much attention and so much hype that he's finally leaving the booth and returning to the sideline, that it's going to be talked about nonstop for weeks. Fair enough. But our, our coaching conversation is, is still to be determined. Right now we don't have a coaching conversation to have, so we'll see what happens. Dirk Cutter and his staff still, at least on the surface, and hopefully have two more weeks to, to show what they got. Well, David, anything else for the good of the order? Nope. Because I, I think I'm good. I'm I'm excited that Jason Light has another year. I'll be interested to see what he does with that extra year. But I'm definitely happy that he has the opportunity to turn a one-year option into a four-year extension. Yeah, I like it. So, all right, well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Bucks at the Peter Plank. I am at jyarko underscore bucks. David is at dh82 underscore bucks. And please make sure that you're checking out everything that we're doing right over there at thepewterplank.com or on the Pewter Plank app available on iTunes and the Play Store. 
So we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us here on this lovely, lovely Thursday. The weekend is right around the corner. Christmas is coming up in just a few days for those of you that take part. And we will talk to you all again on Friday morning.